Didn't tell us the party. I didn't know. Just that fact. Is it police? Is it? Welcome to tonight's Shir, Motzah Shabbos, Pasha Svayera. This past week was the yurt site of my father. And so you have his name here, Abshalom Doiver, Beribyachev Yosef, Olavash Shalom. This is his 10th yurt site this uh, past Thursday. I want to share with you in, in honor of his yurt site a letter of the Rebbe, which he received in Tovshin Tezayin, that in 1956, no, 1957. And it's, you can see Chafal of in Brooklyn, and it's addressed to my father's name. Shub, the word Shub stands for Shoycha Tabaydik. So, Vasi Bechassid, Yishirel Kim Nichmed Venalo, Kulu, Marina Rav Shalom Taibber, Shiyichya Shub. Okay, Shalom Avrach. After his long silence, his letter was received from the very, very clear day, the special day. He lulled the Rashbi, the 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 yard site of the Rashbi over in Pshayim Now, I just want to point at this moment that that means he wrote the letter on Lagboimer, which is the eighteenth of ER. And the Rebbe's response is dated um, is dated the 21st of the year. So that within three days, the letter had arrived in New York, and already there's a response. Meanwhile, this is um, about five years before I was born. When I was pleased to read, he's learning with a class at that time, in addition to being a shochet, my father had a part-time role as a teacher of Aleph base in one of the local Chador, and this was before the Babbage schools was, uh, were opened. According to the tradition of our holy ancestors, Comets Aleph O. Now, just also, I mentioned this letter last week, but I wanted to share it with you here. As is known, the holiness of the letters and of the vowels. Shehem le Moshe Misenai, that they are passed down from Moshe Misenai, as we discussed last week. Shehad the Gemara in Adorim, Daflam and Zion, a Kemuvan or Parshut, the Zoya, as is evident clearly in the Zoya and Tikkun Azoya, the Kama Makoimis in various places. But Loyurak Hoysius of the Kudis Atzman, not only the characters as in the letters, not only the shapes of the vowels, Ela Filoshmoisehem, even the names um, of the vowels. The names of the Aleph base are mentioned in Gemara many times. But the names of the vowels are not mentioned. As I mentioned last week, they're not mentioned in Shas, but he's saying that the Rebbe is saying here that even the names of the vowels have a special Kedusha. That the names of the Nakudas, as in Seire, Comets, etc., they are abbreviations of names of angels, etc. So that's uh, the first part of the letter. This part is printed in the Igres Kodesh. 
um, volume Gimel. Second part is an interesting, uh, it's not halacha, but I, I, I want to share with you the following. My mother, Allah Shalom, told me that one time my father came back from the Fabrengen with Rabbi Shem to Allah Shalom, and he said he it was like something very outlandish that he had um, kind of, as they say in Yiddish, that he had been pushing for. And that is to, that the, the people then in 1955, 54, they should travel to the Rebbe. Rebbe became Rebbe in 1950, 51, whatever. And then he was encouraging the young people that they should, and my father said at the time, it was a, the amount it would cost to travel to New York would be the same as putting down a down payment for a house. And so he felt that it was a very outlandish uh, idea. But uh, my mother encouraged, encouraged him. And so he actually traveled to New York together with Rabbi Shemtev and Rabbi Bear Levine, Allah Shalom. At the time, the Rebbe referred to the Rabbi Shemtev as the king of England. And to Beryl um, Levina, my father, they were called the English Lord and the English Lords. And uh, in Yechidus, my father had asked the Rebbe about advice of possibly emigrating to the United States. And the Rebbe said, um, did you ask your wife her opinion? And uh, actually, my father was dead against it. So that um, didn't happen. But meanwhile, the Rebbe gave my father a substantial loan towards the down payment for the house. So this was in Tishrei, Tovshin Tezvov. This is about 18 months before this letter. And so now, I guess my father had been had asked about repaying that loan. And that's what the Rebbe writes. That what you're writing about the mitzvah of paying back a debt. You could pay back the debt through to the same avenue where you got the money. So I'm again guessing that it was through Rabbi Shemtov that, that he received the loan, and they were saying pay it back through him. Finally, the Rebbe uh, says, that You have informed me about your wife, and that she's in state of pregnancy. That the Ebishta should provide that her pregnancy should full full term and it should go okay and easy. She should give birth to a healthy a child in the right time. Kashuro vovakal and they all, all going okay and easily. The child born uh, bells six months after that is my brother Yerucham. Whose birthday is Chof um, Base Cheshvin, if I'm not mistaken. So just just over um, six months later. Right now, let's go on to our next point, and that is that following on, this is also well, my father's uh, besides being a moyal and a balkoya, besides being a, um, a teaching Ivra and being a balkoya, but uh, he, he was a moyal as we make we know and. We had discussed last week about a bris performed by a Jew who professes to be a reformed Jew, uh, whether anything has to be done to uh, kind of upgrade to be a kosher bris. And what I did say last week was that although elsewhere, a person who, let's say if a, a, 
I actually had last week someone asked me about a reform. There's a reform mikvah somewhere in London. I, I haven't followed up about it. But they asked about referring someone to use it. I, I can't, I, I can't, you know, I, I would definitely, I said definitely it's not a, uh, something to rely upon. But let's say if a reform Jew would write a, a mezuzah, sefitore, we would not be able to use it because it's not written uh, with a pro, the appropriate kavana. And yet, I mentioned last week, in this case, to be able to rely on the bris, also, although the Ramos says that if a goy does a bris, you have to do hatofas dam bris, cause some bleeding and he says a person who is a, an apostate or a, a heretic also you have to do he's got the same thing as a going but I did show that in Dafke in this respect there are poskim who say that, uh, that he is still considered a ben bris and that his bris which he performed would be valid so although everyone else whether it's uh, as I said mezuzahs etc we wouldn't rely on it but possibly here, evidently here, we see Poskim who are Mekil. And I showed how the Alter Rebbe in Simenkov Peites says that a Mumer is included in Bnei Beris, um, and therefore you don't exclude him when you say, when you bench with the Brocha. And in the Evan Hoizer, which is the Alter Rebbe's source, he says that his Mila is valid. Okay, so that's what I shared last week. So someone, and... Um, this I didn't show last week. This is from the Sefer Pesachim at Shubas, who brings a collection of poskim one way or the other. Um, how far? So some say um, that you don't have to do anything, as you see here, although you shouldn't use the Mormon as a moil, but if it's done, you don't have to do any fricking. Um, and then he brings the consensus of the poskim, that's his uh, wrapping up, that... If, if the uh, Balchuva would be offended, if he would be required to do Hatofas Dambriz, then you can rely on the Poskim who are Mekel. Okay. So there's someone by the name of Remendel Zirkin who listened to the recording and he has done a lot of research, particularly on this area. I don't know him personally, um, but he sent me a 14-page article on Hatofas Dambriz. And in that article, he also brings two manuscripts of the Rebbe, which relate to this, which I'm going to read to you now. First one reads, Bemesha shol al bris crossed out milo, hanases al yudei roifei mechal shabbis, v'ha hish, I guess it's missing a tof, ha'ishtat v'sposeh. You're writing about a bris milo, and the Rebbe crosses out the word bris, uh, a circumcision done by a doctor who <clears throat> violates Shabbos and your participation in this. So here the Rebbe refers us to refers us to the Shukhanoruch which we had on the screen just a few seconds ago. The Mumar Lechol HaToyre one who has uh, dropped the whole Toyre or he's Drop the union of of uh, Milo. Gam sorry immol. If he does do a uh, perform a bris, chayovim lahachzer lachzer or lahativ mimenu dam bris. There would be the need to 
extract a bit of blood the covered in on, for the to, for the mitzvah bris. So here the Rebbe is clearly taking the view that a machal shabbos. Well, he's saying, look at the Ramod, you have to do a dahat of damris. And the Rebbe adds in the bracket, kihu kiilu nimoil al that if it's done, if the bris done by Mechal Shabbos is like a bris performed by an agoi, she'ein milosoi, milo, that the, 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 the uh, milo is not a valid mil, elo, the kivan she'i efshe lamad el ha'edapam. Obviously, a, a, a circumcision cannot be uh, repeated on the same person. Therefore, the solution is extraction of a bit of blood. All right, so that's where we see that the Mumar is his bris, his uh, circumcision is not valid. In the beginning of the Chaschit, which I think I mentioned last week, Nifzik Hadin, the Mechal Shabbos Befarhesio, so whereas the Ramo does he just says Mumar Lakalatai, he doesn't say Mechal Shabbos. But in the Dinim of Shita, one who is Mechal Shabbos publicly, flagrantly, then he is the same as someone who has dropped the entire tire. And refers us to the Sefer Ois Sholem. Now actually the Sefer Ois Chaim Vesholem. Written by the Munkachero, who lived in uh, Munkach uh, about a hundred years ago, um, I actually have the sefer Yerusha for my father. It's the two sections of the sefer Ois Chaim is on on Tfilin, and Ois Sholem is on Briz. So in that section, he brings, which I mentioned I think last week about Rabbi Kiva Eger, who seems to be quite uh, accommodating to allow the Briz performed by Michal Shabbos. And he says, I can't believe that Rabbi Kiva Eger wrote that. It must be that someone kind of uh, planted something there. Uh, and he really um, says it's un unacceptable. And we have to understand also the period where the Minchas Aloza lived, the, the, the Munkacherov, this is in Hungary, and you've got the influx, the in influence of the Neologian, the so-called kind of reform uh, in whatever form it was, and there's the confusion of how to uh, approach it. And he was certainly a more on the, um, should we say, the kanoi, the uh, zealous element. And so he's uh, objected very strongly to the use of a the services of a moyal who is not shemateria uh, mitzvahs. Okay. Um, I saw this. At first, I was inclined to say, yes, the Rebbe is saying that to the his correspondent, you should not be supporting this. You should not be participating in this. And that's certainly the posture shot of the letter. Is the Rebbe saying, therefore, Bediyevet, that the one who did this, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the one who had the bris has to have a, has a, a tofas dam bris. That's, I don't see that so evident. It's not, but I'll, I will say that thank you to Reb Mendel. I did call up or messaged the one who asked the question, and I wrote to him that uh, it would be it would be a little chumra, it would be it would be better if he does have hatofas dabris. Um, after seeing seeing this, I mean, I was didn't want to be that obstinate, and all right. So, although in the way up weighing up of halacha 
I think it, it's not, it wouldn't have been necessary, but uh, it doesn't do any harm to, to be more machmir. This is the first letter, the first answer of the Rebbe. Um, my impression is that it hasn't been published anywhere else. It's, this was published in some journal, but it was never published in the Igris Kodesh, which is interesting. The, uh, the second note, which you can see from the writing, is must be from the later years. And we're going to read the, the Rebbe's writing here in English. Being that the bris crossed out, circumcision in brackets, was done by a doctor, you must ask an orthodox rabbi if there is something to add how, and now, etc., about the name Menachem Mendel, it is okay. Mohir. Very often the Rebbe would write Mohir, which means that the uh, response should be uh, done swiftly. Why the Rebbe writes Mohir with a more like block letters, I don't know. Um, what I do want to point out is that before going to a bit more careful uh, analysis, but what we see is that in these two notes, which were written probably 30, 40 years apart, in both of them, the Rebbe writes the word bris and crosses it out. Um, and it just leaves the word circum first milo or circumcision, which means the cutting is a cutting. You can't dispute that. But to say it's a bris, which is a covenant, that's, that's the, uh, the question. Now, in the second note, I don't know, when he says it was done by a doctor, does it mean a Jewish doctor? Etc. So I don't know. If anybody, if, and again, if it was a Jewish doctor, then there would be the question: Is it about Hatafas Dambris? Uh, and the Rebbe refers to to Askarov. Um, so I guess it means to to be to 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 find out more about who the, the person who did the, the this doctor. What anything? Whether any further steps need to be done? All right, so that's just very interesting feedback. And so thank you for sharing that with us. Um, let's go on to our next question. So someone asked me, they're traveling on a plane, etc. And so they prepare a bit of water. And if you're lucky to get four empty seats, and so you can lie down in the, on the plane, and then you uh, prepare, like, oh, so especially, I mean, from... from uh, Cross Atlantic is it's not much. You can't sleep that much. But a plane from uh, from New York to uh, to Erzis Royal says So now, uh, and you but you don't have a large enough container to to wash Negelwasser uh, your full hands three times. So the question, the dilemma is: Do you wash each hand once to the wrist? Or do you wash each hand three times, just the fingers till the knuckles? This was a question. So what is better? If we know that for Negelvas, it's important to wash three times to get rid of Ruach um, Therefore, perhaps you should put that as a priority. And as you do on Yom Kippur and Tishabov, only wash the, till, the, till the knuckles. Or do you say, no, um, it's important to wash until the wrist, even though as a result you won't be able to wash three times. Now, actually, a similar discussion is in the Alter Rebbe's Siddur. So the Alter Rebbe's Siddur has got numerous halachas. Many of them are 
not explicit as Shechon Aruch. So I'm going to read this carefully. Rimein loy ma'im rabim kolkach, litoil yodov gimel pa'omim karoi. If you don't have enough water to wash your hands three times, as one should. Noitol pa'am achas, wash your hands once. And then you will be able to say the bracha, and you should say the bracha of al Yadaim. Now, before we read further, why do we wash Negelvasa in the morning? So there's three reasons given. One has got to do with davening, preparing for davening. But then we don't make a bracha when we wash for for Mincha Mariv. We wash, we don't, we make a bracha. One is that it's got to get rid of the Ruach HaTuma. And the other one is because it's like a koyan who comes to the base Hamigdash at the beginning of the day and he washes his hands and feet from the kiyur. So here we're gearing up for the Avodah Sayyid. So here the Alter Rebbe is saying, you have only enough water to wash once, so that's fine. You can make a brocha on washing the hands once. The Brocha is not only because of the uh, importance of remove, ridding the tumor off your hands. Rather, or in addition, addition to getting rid of the tumor, there is the sanctifying ourselves in the holiness of Hashem. In other words, to prepare to serve Hashem. May al yodov, and to remove the tumor from your hands, by pouring by pouring um, pure clean water, pure water from the hand, like a koyin who is sanctifying his hands from the kiyo. When we wash our hands, we say that we have been sanctified. And so, although other other mitzvahs, it's not so clear. We say we put on tefillin shonu, but here it's more relevant. We're going. We're doing a pro, an act of of sanctifying ourselves. And therefore, we we make and with the nitil shadaim, we're sanctifying ourselves. The koyanim in the Beis Hamikdash, when they wash from the kiyer, or when they will wash from the kiyer, is enough each time, just once. On that basis, he's saying, if you are short of water, then the dying once is is adequate to be able to say abroch. Then he adds another interesting piece. It would be imperative to wash the, what, the one reveals of water, both hands simultaneously. As you know, as idea of Maim Rishonim and Maim Shniim, so he says you'd have to, to in order to avoid the, the need for Maim Shniim, then you'd have to wash both hands at once from a reveals. That is. Uh, I don't know how you can do that on your own. It would mean someone else would have to pour on, on your two hands together. What I want to just say, so this is not identical to our case. Our case, here's the question, what do you do next to your bed? 
and then you can still go over to the sink right in the, in the airplane you'll put down the seat and then you'd wash uh, and effing you're such a charming fellow you can charm the waitresses to be able to use the sink in the kitchen even better but um you you can do the full negalvasa it's especially what you do next to your bed and so in that case wash your full hands until the wrist once and then you get up after your place and you'll go and wash your hands um, um another two times by the uh, by the sink so that's uh, that, that i think would be the right thing to do it, the idea of washing just the fingers and not the full full hand that seems to be an un, a, not an acceptable option as we'll see in the next slide um right so here the alter Rebbe is he's, he's not saying that you've gotten rid of the tumor with the um um, with the with the ones he's saying but you've got here the idea of, of the other reason this card that your your idea of preparing yourself you've achieved and therefore you can make a bracha on that but you, the element of seems to still remain i'll tell you why i'm i'm i'm, I'm um, waxing on this it says in the dinam of um of tishabov and to it says about you wash your hands and then you can wipe your hands on a cloth and then use the cloth to wipe away the uh, remnants of uh, whatever it is around your eyes. And I was often concerned about why are you not worried that there's a Ruach HaTum on that water and then you're wiping your eyes with the remnants of a Ruach HaTum. Um, so I was thinking that this, there's, there's grounds over here to say that once is enough, but as I see here, he's not saying that the once gets rid of the Ruach HaTumma. It achieves the Indian of Lizkadish Baruch Hu. The Ruach HaTumma could still be an issue. And so then again, you're going to ask, let's say, if this person washed once, uh, as far as touching food, perhaps they still should not touch food until they, until they get um, more water to be able to wash the other two times. All right. Now, about as I said, the option of washing um, just the fingers and not the full hand. So here we have a letter of the Rebbe, and it's published in also in Igris Kodesh. Um, um, so what we have here is that someone asked the Rebbe about washing on Tishabov and Yom Kippur. So though the Alter Rebbe says you wash only your fingers, but if you read in the Alter Rebbe's Siddur, it says you should wash your full hand. So he's asking whether the, there's a difference between the Siddur and the Shulchan Aruch in this, that in Shulchan Aruch it says it's enough to wash your fingers, and perhaps according to the Siddur, it's imperative to wash your full hand. And Is it possible that there's a difference between lechatchila? You should wash the full hand, and with shasad chak, it's enough. It's enough to wash just your fingers. So the Rebbe says no, actually, because you read in in the writings of the Arizal, so kiss the Arizal, it says that it's imperative to wash the whole hand until the wrist. So if so, why then is there a concession on Yom Kippur and on Tisha B'av? So the answer is. On Yom Kippur, the, the Rebbe quotes a sefer, a sefer called Mikdash Melech, which is a Kabbalah sefer. And he says that 
on uh, Yom Kippur, the Tumah doesn't have the ability to to cling so much. Therefore, it's enough to wash uh, just, the, just the fingers. So again, the, what the Rebbe is saying here, don't say that we wear, when push comes to shove, it's enough to wash just the fingers and not until there is. No, according to that result, it's imperative to wash until there is. The concession Yom Kippur is because on Yom Kippur, the Tumak has less power of clinging. Uh, what about Tishabo? And there is this, this the Rebbe now is Mechadish, uh, that on Tishabo, because of the weakness of Kedusha, therefore the Tumor doesn't have such a passion to, to cling, and therefore it's also on, on Tishabo, it's enough to wash just the fingers. So, just to, to sum up that, what we're seeing here is that the Rebbe is taking the view that washing till the wrist is imperative. And not to rely on just washing the fingers, although I, 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 it may be uh, well known, but in the, this is really a machlokus from the time of the Mishnah, whether it's imperative to wash the full hand or just to wash the fingers. And if you think about uh, when you when you um, touch food, you're touching with your fingers, you're not touching with your palms. And yet, the the psak which we see here in in uh, the, the way the Rebbe is taking it is that it is imperative to wash the full hand until the wrist. Mm-hmm. Was, uh yeah, on on, on Yom Kippur and Tishabov, there's, there's a reason for exemption. But back to the case in the fellow on the plane, etc. So you wash your full hand if you have the ability to wash the full hand until the wrist, and then, as I said, afterwards you'll go and use uh, whatever water is available to wash another two times. Right, let's go on to a question which comes up, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, um, many times, about where you have a a, uh, mixed marriage and they are agreeable to put up a mezuzah. Now this book, what you have on the screen is from the Sefer on Mezuzah by Rabbi um, Bressman of of, uh, Los Angeles. and it's just it's very straightforward where we would put up a mezuzah, but without without a bracha. Now, in the note here, he has from Rabbi Moshe Weiner, who's suggesting that it depends on, on the ownership of the house. So I want to share with you that this past week, I've, I've been uh, looking over material for the presentation at the Kinnus HaShluchim. Uh, and this is a bit of a shout out for any shluchim who are listening to the recording, etc. I feel very it's very um, valuable that shluchim in, in towns and smaller towns should know how to do mechiras chomets themselves and shouldn't be relying on sending it to other people and sending it by email to other people. Uh, the mechiras chomets is a yes, it is a, a skill. It's a, it's a it's a, something to, to know how to do it, but it's not it's not rocket science. The Alter Rebbe put together the Mechiras Chomets um, guidance that even a person, a Pashtid, in a living in a village would know how to do it. And so I would just I say I, I um, pushed that there should be a session at the Kinnas Hashluchim um, of guidance of how to go through Mechiras Chomets. So as I was reading up material about this, I came across in the Shuvas, there's a sefer called Shavus Yaakov. So the Shavus Yaakov was 
a generation before the Alter Rebbe. And he has a situation where you have a Jew who's apparently is a fine Jew, from Jew, um, keeps Shabbos and everything. The only thing is his wife isn't Jewish. And she, during Pesach, bought some chomets. And so now the question is, what happens after Pesach? Is So there's a famous idea, Masha Konsa Isha Konabalo, that the acquisitions of a woman belong to her husband. And so he wants to bring that in and say that whatever she bought belongs to her husband. Now, of course, you can argue that she's not she's not his wife because a Jewish man who marries a non-Jewish woman is not considered married. And yet he brings grounds to say that he is kainer, um, what she acquires. He brings basis to that. The end of the story is that he uh, says no, that because... Uh, he a person is interested when she buy when she buys the chomets to say oh she buys and he's he benefits from it he doesn't want to acquire devarim ha'asurim to uh, for, for, you know, he doesn't want to acquire violation of chomets therefore when she buys the chomets during pesach he doesn't acquire it that's what he, he concludes but meanwhile there is a discussion there about the legal position of the of the civil civil and in civil law does what she um does her property belong to him etc and the uh, i might be totally wrong and i know we've got a couple of lawyers on the on the shear but i believe that the a house of a married couple in civil law if it would come to court it would not go just to the one who paid the um, who paid the down payment or whatever who pays paying the mortgage the spouse will also have a uh, a uh, significant portion of that of that property and as a result we come back to so as, as i'm saying that we, although he's saying it depends who's written on the contract i believe that in civil law that would not um be the only criterion and as a result we were left with the case that it is a partnership it's a property an asset which is owned by a Jew and a non-Jew. And therefore, when there is a shared property between a Jew and a non-Jew, so it's exempt from a mezuzah. Um, so therefore, to make it with a brach, I think you would not be able to say a brach. On the other hand, um, to put up a mezuzah without a bracha, that would be okay. And we have a story in the Lekut Diburim where there was a Talmud of Rabbi Yohu Balshem, who had a great uncle who had... Uh, who would sit on Shabbos and learn Gemara, and with his big dog, he was sitting. But he would sit bareheaded. He loved learning Gemara, so he'd sit bareheaded, smoking a cigarette with his dog next to him, and that was his Shabbos um, enjoyment. And his wife wasn't Jewish, uh, and the ne great nephew was very concerned about this uncle of his. And Rabbi Yol Balshem gave him a whole seder of how to. Uh, have an influence on him and he said when he comes to his house he should on the second day he should put up a mezuzah on the front door without a bracha so we have here a maiser of putting up a mezuzah without a bracha right and of course that's only when there's a con consent of the non-jewish spouse and th that way the uh the the uh Hashem, though should the mezuzah will remain safe when there's a mezuzah which is at risk, then 
it doesn't, it, one shouldn't put up a mezuzah. I actually was in Vienna um, last year and there was someone who brought me to his apartment to help him decide where to put up the mezuzahs. And he, he had put up in the corridor, in the hallways, he had put up a mezuzah at one of the entrances and it was a shared building, so a, a, a building of apartments. And that mezuzah, one of the mezuzahs had been ripped off. Um, and that's really one of the reasons why a shared property with Goyim does not need to have a mezuzah because of the likelihood of it being disgraced. Okay, let's come on to, as we're having a few shilas about mezuzah, we have one uh, last child about mezuzah over here, and this is from somewhere in the United States. And this is a common situation where we have a uh, large, large hall, but the whole year round we don't need such a large area, so we have a removable wall. And what happens on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur when they have an overflow crowd? That's when this partition will be taken away. So now is the question, this area, this this gap, which is where the removable wall is taken away, does it need to have a mezuzah? Is this, is a, let's rephrase perhaps, is a removable wall a door, and therefore this is a doorway, or is it, it's not a doorway at all, it's, there's a, it's, it's a, <laughs> there's a place for a wall, and so um, actually, the, I'm sure some of you remember Fiber Schneebal, uh, who was the role of Vishnitz community here in London and published numerous forums. So he actually addresses this. Um, so let's read what we have here. But the top part is from a sefer called Pischei Sheorim, a very much a contemporary sefer um, by someone called Schechter. And he writes that a door, which is to divide two, divide a room into two small rooms, and when you want to use them as a big room, then you take away this door, even though there is what would look like a doorway, it, it nearer the potter mimzuz, and he refers to the Shraga Hameir, that's from Fiver Schneebel's answer. So he's saying, don't call this, a, a door is, a door is to be able to use two rooms and to have access from one to the other. Here it's not, he doesn't see it as a door. He sees this as options uh, whether it is a big room or a small room, but he doesn't see this as a doorway to go in from one to the other. And so he says that it does not need to have a mezuzah. There is in the Shukhan there is a discussion about something, let's say a warehouse, which has a large, it's got a large entrance, which would be used for very significant, let's say you had a, not a warehouse, you had a factory. So occasionally you've got delivery of very large machinery, so they need to have a large enough space. So that's a, a wall which they would open up for delivery of machinery, but it's not used on a, on a daily basis, not just, it's only a, very occasionally. And so the way it's written in Shechon is that if there is another entrance to the same, there's a side entrance to the same premises. So you've got here a huge um, shutter, let's say, and then there's a side entrance, and so he says, so, it, so then you don't need to have a mezuzah on this large entrance, which is uh, only used very occasionally. So that's that's a little bit of the basis of this psaac, that this, this back to this uh, case, this removable wall, 
the um, that opening would not require a mezuzah. Oh, the, so the, one fourth question which we have on mezuzah. No, so, so this is one, two, this is the third one. Okay, yes. So we have here a, a, a young lady was in contact with me and that she is, especially in the current situation, she has been reaching out to many Yidden and encouraging them to have their, to have mezuzahs and to check their mezuzahs and telling them that the mezuzahs is a protection and as an incentive to have their, uh, make sure that their mezuzahs are, are in good shape. She took the mezuzahs to a soifer, a non-Chabad soifer, and told, they told her that it's wrong to tell people that the mezuzah is a protection. And so, wrong to use this as an incentive. So, she asked me, who's right? So, what we have here on the screen is a, uh, a Sikha of the Rebbe, which is published in the Kutta Sikhas, where he says that mezuzah is written in the Torah in Parshas Ekev, Ochsavtom al mezuzah ispeisecho, ovisho'orecho, laman yirimechem, Write, inscribe this on the doorposts of your house, on your gates, in order that you should have long life and your children should be done. And this is brought in Shulchan Aruch, as Bechol HaZohibo, when it says at the beginning of the Hilchus Mezuzah, if you're careful about Mezuzah, it is Ariches Yom of Vimei Vano. It says it's a clearly that is the union of uh, a Brocha for Ariches Yom. But there ever goes in further discussion. Um, Chazal tell us by putting up the Mezuzah, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is protecting those in the house. Moshal like a Melech Bostavadom. His inside has got guards, servants guarding on the outside, and you are sleeping on your bed, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is guarding you from the outside. The Rebbe goes further to say that this Shmira, this guard, guarding protection through the mezuzah, is not a, not a reward for the mitzvah, but it's actually a benefit from the actual mitzvah, in addition to the reward. Um and he brings another lotion, Toysfus, who says, Lashimur of it. I want to just use my own, perhaps inappropriate, Marshall. If someone will say matzah is food, that would be correct. That why do we eat matzah on the night of Pesach? Because Hashem told us so. But that matzah is food is indisputable. When we're saying the, the mitzvah of mezuzah, the mitzvah of mezuzah is a shmira. Why do we do it? Because Hashem told us to. But that, that doesn't take away from what is its function. Its function is there as a shmirah. Um, Just to bring another, just a bit of support from the Gemara. So we have, for example, we have in the Gemara, it says, it should be put, the mitzvah, this is in Menachas, Daf, uh, Lamed Gimel, the mitzvah to put the mezuzah on the outer tefach. If you have a wide entrance from the street, so the mezuzah should be in the first tefach, closest to the street. Why so? So one says that it should be that you should encounter the mezuzah right away. Then Rochanina Misuro says, that in, the, that in order that you should be protected. And so the Kintere is Rashi adds, the Tintere, you put the mezuzah in the tefach 
to give more protection. The whole house should be protected from Azikin. You may remember a couple of years ago, I think, in this year, we had a discussion whether the din of tefa hachitzoin applies to internal doors. But meanwhile, let's just keep to this point over here that we're seeing here that the mezuzah is there, ki tintere, it should provide protection. Then we have a Gemara in Kiddushin where it talks about which mitzvahs women are obliged, which mitzvahs women aren't obliged, and the Gemara asks, niska, nakish, um, why don't we say, just like women are exempt from the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, they should be also exempt from the mitzvah of mezuzah because the two are mentioned together in um, Parashat Shema, Moab Shemaya, where answers, that's, that's not logical. Because the follow-on from the mitzvah of mezuzah is long life. Men need to have the bracha for life and women don't need the bracha. And so we're seeing here again and again how the mitzvah of mezuzah is it is the union of shmirah. We have the union of also um, that they has, they, they, I saw also discussion about the word the, 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 you have on the outside of the mezuzah, she and Dalad Yud. So the she and Dalad Yud stands for either Shemadal Sisroyal or Shemadiras Israel. These are two different sources. I think one's Sefer one is in the Zohar. And then also there is a discussion about whether it's the what is the protection? Is it the she and Dalad Yud on the outside? Is that the protection? Or is it the entire mezuzah? Um, help me, what's the gematria of mezuzah? Um, so 14, and that's a mezuzah, it's got two signs, so that's 40, 54, 60, 65. And that's the gematria of Shem Adni. Al of is 65. So the Rebbe has this ha'ora, uh, what is the protection? Is it because of the Shein Dal Yud, which is actually, that's not the main mezuzah. The main mezuzah is the Mitzvah Minatoir, is the, is the Parashas inside. At any rate, there's no question that we that mezuzah is, is a, a for protection. Now, just I believe in that sikha where ever talks about this. There was there was a there is a very strong worded piece in in Rambam, where in his time people were inscribing in the mezuzah they were inscribing names of angels, like you have various kameas. And the Rambam is really upset about this. He says you're taking the mezuzah and making it into just into a kamea into make an amulet. It's a mitzvah, so don't take away from its mitzvah. So to reduce the mezuzah to an amulet, that's wrong. But that doesn't take away from the fact that the mezuzah is uh, uh, providing shmirah. And uh, therefore, I don't see the harm in telling someone that the Torah says that this is a shmirah. Um, if I may, perhaps I've told this story before, but it's a Motzah Shabbos. Um, did I tell the story about the Mr. Malot? Uh, this, um, I've told the story about the 22. At, uh, okay, very very briefly then. I heard this from the Shliach in Marlot. When there was that massacre of uh, the schools, uh, school children in in, Mar in I think they were from Marlot, and the Rebbe um, pushed that they, they should buy the mezuzahs, and they found X amount of mezuzahs were possible, and the Rebbe pushed that they should be um, checked and possibly find at least one mezuzah to be machshir and Rabbi Kaplan and Rabbi uh, Besritsky, Aleim Asholim, they, um, they they found that they were able to be machshir one mezuzah and there was one child in the morgue who woke up and he is now 
you know, probably in his 50s, whatever, but uh, he is what they call a metchai, a person who uh, came back from the dead, and he tells his story. So that's that story. Now, let's come back to mezuzah, and this is a question about a disused doorway. There's a large cupboard blocking the door. Does it need a mezuzah? A very common thing. You have another doorway, and so this is unused. So you can see we've got, got here. This is again from that safe from, from uh, Shechter, Orim. So he has first entry says, if you put some a large box, uh, a chest to block it, some say, so long as you haven't removed the door frame, it's still considered a doorway. So that's one opinion. That's even if you've, uh, even if the door is is effectively uh, blocked, but so long as there's still the architrave in the door frame, it's still considered a pesach and there's still chayav mezuzah. Some say that that's that's got to do with dinimominus. That's got to do with certain uh, entitlement. If you have a door, you're entitled to a certain space in the chotzer. That's where it comes. If you didn't demolish the door with the door frame, you still you still got a doorway. Imagine every every door has a parking spot. So uh, I, I took that, uh, you block the door. Do you have still a parking spot? So you say that so long as you haven't demolished the door frame, so then you still got a parking spot. But that's got to do with money. But in the case of mezuzah, that's in, not in, not, even, not relevant. And once you've blocked it, then you don't have a chiyah mezuzah. And then we have the third uh, um, position, which says possibly a middle position, that it's, um, that it would be only potter from mezuzah if you used yisdos or masmer, if you used um, nails or screws in a way to that it should not be openable again. So and then he has another idea. You lock it and you throw away the key, which is okay. But what we're seeing here is, and that's why years ago he once asked Rav Shalom Friedman about this, and he says if you put him some nails to lock to to block the door that can't be used with. Um, you can't just unlock it, then that would be enough to exempt it from a mezuzah. But the fact that it's unused, there's a piece of furniture in front, that's not enough to take away the mitzvah of mezuzah. Let's move on to our next question, and that is about a candlestick tray. When you put a uh, a safer on the tray, um, so let's go through this quickly. I think we once discussed this, but he has here, and this is from Shmidus Shabbos Gilchoso, and he says, um, if you put on Friday, you put on something on the um, on the tray, you put something which is Choshev, and you need it on Shabbos, then you'd be allowed to. Now, but what's important is that that article has to be of similar, of, of greater value than the candlesticks. And so that's that's first of all. Now, nowadays our candlesticks are not cheap um, ceramic pieces. They are made of silver, and most of us, and they are cost a lot of money. Unlikely that you'll have a safer which is going to be more valuable than the candlesticks. That's number one. Number two, he writes here the following: If the candles, if the tray, is ex is is exclusively for the candlesticks, so then it doesn't help to put something on it. Let's give you an example. I have a wallet, and I have in there, I have a picture of my favorite relatives that that does not take away from the wallet, doesn't make it a, a, a holder of 
permitted and unpermitted, a muksa and non-muksa. It's the wallet's there for money. The fact that you put it in a picture doesn't demuxify it. And similarly, if you have a tray which is exclusively for the candlestick, the fact you put something, the fact that you put something on it is not going to take away its clear designation for candlesticks. So that doesn't seem to be a heter. Um, so the, first of all, it has to be of, of, of greater chashivas. And secondly, if it's dedicated for the candlesticks, that doesn't really help you very much. Let's see if we can go to the next question. Right. Um, sometimes a person went ha, had some kind of uh, medical condition. And the question is, when do you bench gaimu? So we have here... And, and and sometimes there is something which is never going to it's never going to recover from that. So when do you bench goimu? So here we have the psach of the Alter Rebbe. You don't say the bracha until you've gone out of danger totally. Therefore, you don't make a bracha until you come back to your your health. Now, I'd like to because we're running out of time. I'd like to say there's a difference here in two cases. Let's say if a person has had a heart attack. And then he's told that you have to take this medicine for the rest of your life. You have to take this medicine. Uh, otherwise, if you stop, you, you your condition, it could come back again. Then you have a different case. case. A person who had a terrible accident and there's a loss of a limb. And and then life goes on. There's no, he's not in danger. So, there's a, they, so they're, they're very, very different. But and but the one who in, in the second case they are yotsum in hastakona legamri then they're not in danger at all they 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 have a permanent injury uh, and that's not going to change but they're hatava but they're yotsum in hastakona legamri and therefore they would say whereas in the other case where they've gone through a medical condition but they have to keep on. Um, Whatever, just therapy or whatever, medical medication, etc., that it shouldn't um, recur. That is a case where they're not, they're still in, they are still in a uh, danger. And just it's, it's under control, Baruch Hashem. And it's, it's been observed that the Rebbe in Tovshin Lamed Ches never said, as far as we know, never said, etc., but he never had. Because uh, I guess, because who knows? But the Bansvore is that the uh, since there is ongoing need for medication, um, says so we wouldn't be called the Otsuminasakona Legamri. There was someone actually I can mention his name, um, Daniel Moskovitz Oliver Shalom, who had uh, a heart attack, and he asked me this question: When does he say Gagoimel? So I told him this is going back well, fifteen years ago to more. I told him, you know what? I'll invite you as a guest speaker to London, and then you'll make a bichasagoimel for the air, for the travel, and you have in mind your recovery from your heart attack, which he did actually. He came and he said bichasagoimel. Unfortunately, uh, he had another heart attack, uh, which uh, he passed away from. But um, right, so that's what, where are we holding. Okay, about tzitzis. So this becomes more common than I thought. You have here, someone asked me the question, you've got this, not the outer jacket, we're talking about the inner one, yeah, the anorak, anorak kind of thing, and it's got four corners, it's got two on the lapel 
um, and they are right in line to the two down the bottom where the zipper is, where they, you know, they pull up for the zipper. So does this need to have tzitzis? So let's read from the author of the Shukhanoch. You can see it's Simon Yosef Chobbeis. And he says, the kind of garments which we wear in, in Germany, in Spain, which are open from the front, and they've got four corners, two at the top and two at the bottom. They are exempt from tzitzis because the main mitzvah of tzitzis is the idea that you have two in the front and two at the back of you. These garments were all on the front and you can't wear them in a different way. Yes, Shloimar, well, that the Torah did not oblige us to have tzitzis on these, and therefore, indeed, the Kaminic is not to have tzitzis on such a garment. He then finishes off, If you're God-fearing, a God-fearing person will be strict for himself to make one corner, to cut off one corner, make it into a, a, a curve rather than a, a sharp corner, and that way it, shouldn't have, it won't have four corners. Now, in these um, jackets, these which we're seeing over here, that is impractical to start cutting off corners. And therefore, that brings us to the Moscona, the conclusion that a Yeresha mind will avoid wearing such a garment. Min uh, din it does not require tzitzis, but uh, Yeresha Mayim would, uh, at least during the day, would avoid wearing such a garment. Finally, we have here a question about someone who has going from the sukkah, from, sorry, from the, the kitchen to the dining room, dining room to the kitchen. What do you do about hefsik between imbroches, etc.? I'm, I'm running out of time, but you, what you can look this up in Alter Rebbe Shukunoroch, Simen Kufay in Ches, Siv Ches, Sedebichasanen in Peyot Tes, Alocha Yud Ches. And basically what we're seeing here is that the idea that going out of the room and coming back requires you make a new brocha. That's only if you're going out for a while. But if it's just for an instant, going to get something, etc. As we discussed this, let's say between Kiddush and, and, and Hamoitzi, you go out of the room to, to wash until you die in the kitchen, and you're coming straight back. Here, the Alter Rebbe says quite clearly, that's not considered Shinui Mokim, a change of location, which warrants making a, uh, a, new, a new bracha every time you come back. That's besides the fact that, of course, if you have in mind uh, to have to go from one room to the other and it's under one roof, then you would not need to make uh, a new bracha. He's asking, the fellow was asking, if I didn't have in mind, do I have to make a new bracha? So here I'm saying, because it's just coming in and out for a very short time, therefore there's no need to make a new bracha uh, each time. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I did share with you a tefillah from the Friedekerebe, which was composed in during the war, uh, Second World War, and I was curious as to the background of this tefillah. So now someone put online, and I want to share that with you. Here you can see on the left, you can see the lotion of the tefillah. And on the right, you can see a bit more detail. But that, and this is tefillah from the Kuwait Krushas Admor Shlita of Lubavitch to say on the two nights of Rosh Hashanah before Mairiv and on Yom Kippur before Kol Nidre and before Ni'ilo. And also to say that after having said, after having said the chapters of Tilim Chof, Chof Beis, and Samachtes, published by Agudas Chabad Oilomis, um, the World um, International Society of Chabad, Brooklyn Tofshin Aleph. So I'm not sure whether this is the beginning of the year, probably this is the end of um, uh, Tofshin Aleph, where the Rebbe had, our Rebbe had arrived in America. Um, in Sivan, the end of Sivan that year, and this is shortly after 
Rebbe had arrived and you got involved in publishing and they they did use the Schulzinger Publishing House. So possibly the our Rebbe was also involved. But at any rate, it makes sense that this is the end. This Elul of Shin Aleph and there's this filler. So it's it was designated to say at, at very special moments. And so that's uh, the filler. And as we know about the encouraging people to say these, and the Rebbe encouraged also to say Kufnun, and we should to see very speedily a Yeshua, a salvation for our brethren in Eretz HaKodesh, both those who are hostages and all the uh, soldiers who are uh, and, the, and, and the citizens, and they should come out from from Meitzar uh, Lervocha. They should go and uh, should come out safely and be able to uh, live safely. And she shalom on Yisrael. Amen. Balance.